So, we are discussing the second verse of Chaitanya Charitamrita, which is a verse in which the author, Sri Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami, offers his obeisances in a specific way to the deity presiding over the book, Sri Sri Gaur Nityananda, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu. So, we discuss the first two lines. At some length, Vandeshi Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sohodito. From my respects, pranam, obeisance to Sri Krishna Chaitanya. We had some lengthy discussion about the significance of that name and other names of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Nityananda Sohodito, who appeared along with Nityananda Prabhu, who has caused his fame, the fame Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, to reach extraordinary heights, which fills us with the sense that he has the capacity to deliver us, fallen as we may be, and that there is no wiser place or person in whom to take shelter. It was Uddhava who reasoned about Krishna along these lines, when he said, "Ho bakiyam stanakalakuta," he said, "He said, uh, who in their right mind would take shelter of anyone else than Krishna, who, even though approached by the Putana witch, with such a uh, cruel intention, who killed him as in, uh, in his infancy, nonetheless gave her eternal motherhood in Goloka." So he's a very wise person, Uddhava, big jnani bhakta. So his statements are well thought out. He reasons like this about Sri Krishna. And then what to speak then of Sri Krishna Chaitanya, who is that very same Krishna, but with something else added. I mentioned that this verse speaks of that, speaks of it to some extent in the name. Sri Krishna Chaitanya, which, as I mentioned last night, was his sannyas name, which marks the beginning of his wandering out beyond the Dham, the uh, eternal abode of, of Navadvip, which is non-different from Mundavan. Only difference is what? That this Chaitanya Leela, compared to Krishna Leela, which is sweet, Krishna Leela has added magnanimity. What do we call that? Krishna Leela is Madhuri Leela and Gaur Leela is, think of a place in California. Audarya. <laughs> yes. Audarya. Audarya Leela means magnanimous, compassionate, and, uh, and so forth. So the very name he has used here indicates that to some extent because it is in, in this name and address of a mendicant, that the Pandit went with the shaven head and parted from his dearmost eternal residence of Namadweep, just like Krishna left Vrindavan to go to Mathura and Dwarka. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu leaves to take sannyas. With that sannyas comes some Aishvarya, some opulence. Uh, majesty, because he starts to manifest the opulence of his uh, renunciation, 
which was frightening, even to very old and uh, senior sannyasis like Paramananda Puri, Brahmananda Bharati, Keshava Bharati, and so forth. These fellows, there was about nine of them who were very influential in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission. He compared them, Kaviraj Krishnadaskas compared them in his metaphor of the Chaitanya tree, the tree of bhakti, compared them to the roots. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the main, he's the tree itself, and, and all the branches, two main trunks, Advaita and Nityananda Prabhu. But these sannyasis, like Paramananda Puri and Keshav Puri and so forth, they were very senior and elderly, uh, sober, sober gentlemen. And you can imagine, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was a 24-year-old lad, and this, the measure of his uh, bairagya, his renunciation, frightened them. They were intimidated by that. So when Bhagwan wants to be a renunciate, then no one can compare to him. So with that renunciation, he was ostensibly giving up the association of so many intimate devotees in Navadvip, leaving the inhabitants of Navadvip behind. And for what reason? As we discussed a little bit last night, for our sake. <coughs> Vishnu Priya Devi let him go for our sake. So that we would have opportunity to enter there as well and live amongst them. So some indication in the very name, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, about the magnanimity of his Leela. But here now something further will come as we discuss the last two lines of this important poem in the great book, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. He says, Gododai Pushpavanto Chitro Shandro Tomonudo Gododai Pushpavanto. So Nityananda Sohodito, he appeared along with Nityananda, just like Pushpavanto is an interesting word. It indicates the sun and the moon, which have the, like, the sun is a very uh, kind of a nourishing element, Poshana, and uh, the moon is also said to, as sun nourishes and gives life in the day and dispels darkness, the moon dispels darkness at night and also gives life, it's said, to the plants and making them succulent and offerable and so forth. So he's, this is his metaphor here, that like as if the sun and the moon were to rise in the eastern horizon at the same time. If he woke up one morning and the sun was coming along with the moon at the same time, that would be an extraordinary event. So he said the appearance simultaneously of Gore and Nityananda in the eastern horizon of, of Bengal, where they came up and came westward, went westward, <laughs> and uh, like the sun comes from east to west. So he arose there. The word Gododai means like the eastern horizon of, of Godadesh. Goda is another name for for Bengal. But it has another meaning too. Goda, or Goda means uh, sweet. So his pastimes, his appearance is sweet. He's the same Krishna whose lila is sweet. It means Sweet means that it's very charming in that the Supreme Brahman, the Absolute Truth, the source of everything, has become just like a 
like a friend of the cowherds, like a lover of the gopi, like the son of Mother Yashoda. He's put himself entirely in the hands of his devotees to do with him as they see fit, practically. Because of the way in which they've approached him, they've drawn this kind of reciprocation in which basically they've captured him. Krishna, Akarshini, that bhakti, pure bhakti, in prem has the power to conquer Krishna and capture him entirely. And these are practical examples of it. You become the son, you become the friend, you become the lover of gopis and so forth. He's God, but he's taken a form that's unrecognizable by many people in the religious world and is being dealt with by devotees in ways that seem entirely inappropriate, devoid as their approach is of any awe and reverence. So this Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his pastimes are also sweet, Madhurya. But this reason for this sweetness, why is it sweet? Is because there's a in the background he's has uh, Aishvarya, he's God. In other words, if this kind of thing's going on all the time. Young girls fall in love with young men and and so forth. But it's sweet because this is because his position is such as God, source of Narayan, source of everything. So if you take a if you take a like a beautiful gem and then you put it on a black backdrop, then it will shine that much more. So the Aishvarya of Krishna, the opulence, the majesty, the godhood of Krishna, is never really, in one sense, out of out of the equation. It proceeds to the background, but it is because he is such and acts otherwise for the sake of intimacy and is conquered by love that his leela is called sweet. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is that same Krishna. His leela is also sweet and it's also filled with some Aishwarya as well. It has that in the background. This sannyas in particular brings out some of that Aishwarya, that opulence, the opulence of renunciation. It distances a little bit the devotees from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu compared to how they associated with him in Navadvip. He shows extraordinary ecstasies and standard of renunciation and so forth. It's a bit frightening and intimidating, but nonetheless it brings us closer to him because in that Leila he's teaching the way to enter into the kirtan at Srivastakur's house where the whole thing begins and ends. So anyway, here, the word Goda, Goda means also sweet. And Udai means like the rising of the sun in the east. East is the direction of the gods. So he's God appearing in the east, but sweet, sweet God nonetheless. He's that same Krishna. And appearing along with Nityananda Prabhu, just like as if the sun and the moon were to rise at the same time. The implication of that is that there would be no room for any darkness. These are the two greatest uh, manifestations of light in the heavens, in the sky, sun and the moon coming together. So no chance of any darkness. So they've come, he says here, to dispel the darkness he says, Chitro Sandhu He says, this is wonderful, Chitro. It is full of wonder and astonishment. And this is said to be, this wonder is 
chamatkar is said to be the basis of the experience of sacred aesthetic rapture. It is uh, extraordinary and at the height of spiritual emotion. So he says, it is an astonishing thing, their appearance. Sando tomonudo. They give benediction, sando and tomonudo. Take away inauspicious things. Take away the darkness of ignorance and give the highest uh, gift of love of God. So again, here is compassionate element factored into the sweetness of Sri Krishna is uh, what we find in Gaurila. So hardly is there something less, as you asked perhaps, but something more in the Gaurila. And more particularly from our vantage point, our perspective, relatively speaking, without that more, that magnanimity that Gaurila adds to Krishna Lila. Krishna Lila is not readily accessible. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Ramarsh gave an example like a golden mountain standing, towering high and pointing in the direction of Krishna Lila, but also erupting with lava and catching everything in its, in its flow. No one can escape, as Kabira said, the unique loving network of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami has explained his own verse at some length and he's um, emphasized this second half, actually the fourth line of the verse, the last line, Chitro Sando Tomonudo. He said that with regard to Tomonudo, eradicating the darkness, ignorance, what is that ignorance? So he says that that ignorance is called Kaitava. Kaitava means cheating. And it's uh, a word that figures prominently into Srimad Bhagavatam also. So in his explanation of this, he cites an important verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, the second verse of that great uh, text, which is the verse that is called Vastunyadesh sloka or verse of Srimad Bhagavatam, the verse that, that explains that essence of what the book is about. There, this word kaitiva comes in the first line. The author writes, Dharma projita kaitava utra paramo nirmatsaranam sutam. Dharma projita kaitava. Kaitava means cheating. Krishna says that darkness is cheating. And where is that darkness? It's in the heart of the conditioned souls in the form of desires. Desires for, for what? Dharma, artha, kama, moksha, vancha. These desires, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, now these are the noble pursuits of human society. They're called purushartha, the values of humans. Dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. To be religious, to be righteous, virtuous, pious, to have power, to increase one's power base and security, to have pleasure, the simple pleasures of life, dharma, artha, kama, and then the fourth thing, moksha, to get salvation, emancipation, 
eternality to transcend birth and death. These are considered to be uh, appropriate goals for human society. Everyone is moving under the influence of these types of desires that Dharma, Artha, and Kama represent. As I said, piety, Dharma, Artha, Kama, piety, power, and pleasure. Everyone wants to be pleasured. Everyone wants some, some security, some power. So we work to get some money, some position in, in society, and so forth. And some sense about the value of virtue is there in everyone. So these are all, these correspond with the, with the modes of nature under which we're moving. Tamagun is about pleasure the meaninglessness and sense pleasure and how we re- return to sense pleasure again and again, even if it, as it disappoints us. It always appears to hold some greater prospect for us than we find in it when we actually pursue it. And then we think, oh, I'm not do that. I'm tired of that. Give that up. But then we go back to it. So this is, this is Tamaguna, repeatedly seeking pleasure in something that doesn't satisfy you. It's like we cited Prahlad the other night. He said, Puna punas charvita charvananam, chewing the chewed. I remember when we were kids in school and some kids would chew on the bubble gum and then when it got a little sweetness was gone, they'd take it out and put it under the desk and do something else. And then after a while, they'd try it again. Maybe there's something still in there, put it back in. So to pleasure oneself, this is... And so many forms of the pursuit of that. Now, there's some scope for that in everyone's life, but a life based on that, pleasure-driven in that sense, it's to go nowhere. It's to go backwards, really. Now the, the life under the influence of Rajagun is different. It, it's a life that's about making something out of yourself, being someone. <laughs> getting your degree and getting your job and getting the position in society and, and getting an appropriate uh, salary and bank balance and all the security uh, and the power that lies in that. This is Rajaguna. It's not just repeating the same old, same thing again and again, like taking intoxication again and again and going nowhere and just dreaming about making progress and making something out of your life. That is Tamagun. But in Rajagun, actually, one actually improves one's position, materially speaking. So there's some value in Rajaguna. There's little to be gained from Tamaguna, but in Rajaguna, uh, there's a motivating factor for progress. If it can be um, participate in a virtue-ruled life, that is Sattvaguna, piety, virtue. We do a thing because it's the right thing to do, even though it may appear that we may go down for doing that. We stand up and say, I believe in this, and then they, you know that they won't vote for you to get into the parliament. But you say it anyway, because it's right. <laughs> uh, so there are those types of politicians also. And then there are those that are the typical politicians and do what ne- what's necessary to get elected. Their motivation is a little different, more influenced by Rajaguna. So, but if that drive can be 
be harnessed by sattva-guna, then it can have some value. And sattva-guna, the life of virtue and piety, of course, that has value. What is the value in that? Well, the value in that is that I'll feel better about myself by having the luxury of being honest, truthful, and standing up for what I believe in and so forth. But more than that, it will give some clarity of, of thought and insight into what uh, is really valuable and meaningful in life. So it's to, it's to, it's to lead, materially speaking, a truly value-centered life, a quality uh, life, to improve the quality of life. The pious life, the virtuous life, is like the bridge to walk on and cross from material existence into transcendence. It gives us a look to the other side. The problem with all of these things, the desire to be pleasured, the desire to be powerful, the desire to be virtuous, however, is just that they are desires to be something that obscure the fact that we already are something. We already are a unit of happiness that far exceeds any happiness we could get from interacting with matter or through material acquisition. We already are secure, far more secure than anything we could do, materially speaking, to secure our position by bank balance or job or security force, bodyguard or whatever it may be, our position is secure. And, uh, and we are virtuous and pure by nature. So trying to be pleasure, to be powerful, to be virtuous, uh, to one extent or another, obscures the fact that we are inherently all these things, which is what the liberated person experiences in moksha. Virtue leads in that direction. When we become liberated from the gunas, which are the driving force behind these three urges, that correspond with dharma, artha, kama. We can be content in ourselves. But here, the interesting thing that Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami has brought out, citing the Bhagavatam verse that I mentioned, as he has, is that what Gaur and Nityananda have come to do, what kind of benediction they've come to give, the extent to which they have come to eradicate darkness, Ignorance, cheating, extends beyond the cheating, so to speak, which is a cheating of one's own self. This is the idea. You cheat yourself by trying to be pleasure, to be powerful and be virtuous, as much as that trying to be something under the influence of the modes of nature obscures the fact that you already are all these things. And so any method, any system to further you, your position along those lines, is uh, less than the full truth and uh, offers you less than full opportunity to pursue your, your highest potential in life. So Kaviraj Goswami realizing that the measure of the extent of the value of Gaurantinanda's descent and what they've come to give He's spoken about all these things in this way, these noble virtues of human society that are talked about throughout the scripture. He said that the desires for these things really constitute cheating. The methods that systematically show how to go about getting these things 
are less than the whole, the whole meal, the whole truth. So at, attaching ourselves to those, walking down those paths, pursuing this, you cheat yourself. This is not the full, full ticket. And in that he includes moksha. Not only does he include moksha, liberation, salvation, transcendence of the modes of nature, transcending the desire to be pleasured, powerful, and pious. These three desires that the, more or less the whole world is moving under the influence of. Not only does he include the desire for liberation in ignorance, he goes on to say that that's the worst of them all. This is a very radical idea. He says that the desire for uh, moksha lunches, the pradhan, is like the, the, the whole the root of ignorance. Because he says, in this desire, and of course when he's speaking about moksha here, he's speaking about moksha or liberation exclusive of bhakti. Liberation for its own sake. You see, you can get dharma, art, the kama, you can get pleasure, power, and piety without factoring bhakti into your life. But you can't get moksha without factoring bhakti into your life. So, to factor just enough bhakti in, kind of like a almost a shadow of bhakti, for the sake of getting moksha, is truly the most uh, despicable most unfortunate. After all, if you're working in a realm uh, where you're moving without the assistance of Bhakti Devi, and then you come in touch with Bhakti, you take assistance. What potential is there in, in Bhakti? But then you don't take advantage of that. And you use Bhakti for your own, in effect, selfish purpose. You see how selfless Bhakti is. It considers the desire for liberation, independent of bhakti, exclusive of, of eternal bhakti, in other words, using bhakti as a means to get liberation, to sit still and forever, this is a great cheating. He is quoted here in his comments further on this verse that the great verse of Bhagavatam cited has been commented upon by the famous Bhagavatam commentator of old, Sridhar Swami, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu so much respected in his commentary on this verse, Dharma Projita Kaitavotra, verse of Bhagavatam, he says that Projita, Projita means also the desire for liberation. Not only Dharma Kaitava, cheating religion, these pursuits within the realm of material nature, but pursuits in the direction of transcendence, really in the direction of one's self-interest. But stopping short, moving under the modes of material nature, then we are involved in some form of exploitation, some taking. Those who want liberation, they don't take, but they don't give either. They're kind of like saying, if I can't have it, then I won't do anything. They've concluded that they cannot enjoy the world. So then they say, then I won't do anything. I stop. Theirs is like an attempt to, like, under the modes of material nature, we're like in, we have a prison term for reformation, so that we can be reformed by negative impetus, and then coming in touch with bhakti, we can learn how to, how to properly conduct ourselves. 
not by exploiting, which we're prone to do and, and out of necessity we do when we identify ourselves with the body which has necessities. So we have to be on the hunt to meet those necessities and be on the take. We have to kill to live. In the context of that type of life, though, however, there's a sufficient negative impetus. It's not a very happy life. It's frustrating. One can reach the point of realizing that. And that negative impetus then combined with the generosity of bhakti coming to us through descending, and we can learn how to live harmoniously, how to be a giver. If everyone's giving, then no problem. If everyone's taking, then it's a huge problem. If everyone is saying, you first, no, no, you first, no, you first. So, Goloka is something like that. I, I like to think of it as a, like a train station in India. If you've ever been to India and try to get on the train when it stops and everyone is rushing. If everyone would, uh, one of the, and there's so many people fighting to get on the, uh, on the train. If everyone was just to stop and say, oh, you first, you first. It would be shocking. It would make the newspapers. And, in India, so something like that. So, so to derive the negative impetus from in, the term of incar- incarceration and, and come in touch with bhakti, but to remain a cheater, I'm not prepared to go the distance, become a giver, to stop taking, but not agree to give. This is the idea of those, those who are. It's kind of like a they're trying to make a jail break, something like that without willingness to interact in the society, the free society, in an appropriate way, follow the laws and so forth. They want to get out of the jail anyway. So they make the jail break. What is that verse I'm thinking? Looks good. They try to make their way out, but the long arm of the law catches up with them, as it said. <laughs> so this is considered very despicable from the devotional point of view. But this Prabodhananda Saraswati Sattakwa says, Kai Valyam Narakayate. As a devotee, I'd rather be in hell than be in the liberated status sought by those who have no interest in devotion. There, Krishna Skavarash Goswami says, the prospect, the opportunity for devotional life disappears, evaporates. Sometimes it's been called like a spiritual suicide. So suicide is against the law. This is against the law. I know it's popular in your country, but (laughs) 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 it's against the law. You cannot do that. So they're making like a, like a spiritual suicide. Yes, they may forego the exploitation of the world, but they never adjust themselves. They're like on strike, refusing to work. So this is undesirable. This is a huge point of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that speaks then to us in a general way. And what must this be about that, that Gornatai came to give? If it's not about dharma, art, the kama, and moksha, these are the four noble goals of human society as it's thought of them. What is it that they've come to give? Well, Bhagavatam speaks about that, really. And this verse 
as Kaviraj Goswami has explained here, is is really speaking about the standard of bhakti that Srimad Bhagavatam is all about. If it's not about kaitava, dharma, including the desire for liberation, if these things are considered all cheating in comparison, Bhagavatam says, dharma prajita kaitava tra paramohu nirmat saranam satam what kind of people is it for? Nirmatsaranam satam. Non-envious people. You see, well, envy is very unbecoming. It speaks of the inability to tolerate the excellence of another. So, in this desire for moksha, there's really an inability to tolerate the excellence of Sri Krishna. And to, you know, they say, if you can't beat him, Join them. It's an English saying. I don't know if you have it in Finnish, but if you can't beat them, then maybe you should join them. In Mayapur, Prabhupada's temple, years ago when I used to attend there, Chandradaya Mandir, then oftentimes there would be the rickshaw wallas, the guys that drive the rickshaws, bicycle rickshaws, to take you to the to the bathing ghat or to the town or something like that outside working hard all day and, and getting a few few rupees. And the devotees would come out like almost like floating out and they would have money and be buying things off of the deities and their preaching and, and so on and so forth. And these rickshaw wallas would sometimes get envious and they would want to you know, extract higher tax for their work than was the normal rate and so forth and so on. And, and so one year, I remember, it became an issue and it came to Prabhupada's attention. And Prabhupada said, tell them they can, they can join us. They don't have to ride a rickshaw and drive us around. They can be driven around. All they have to do is join us. What is the problem? <laughs> so, <laughs> but, as we said the other night, people would rather reign in hell than to serve in heaven. There's some false sense that by reigning and controlling and so forth, our, our position will be better. So the unwillingness to join Krishna in his leela and all that that's involved, this seems to be attached to the desire for, for liberation. It's unbecoming. Devotees are not like that. Nirmatsaranam satam vedam vastavam atravastu shivadam. Bhagavatam says, now this, the one thing it's not about Arm art the kama moksha desire for these things. This is the darkness of ignorance. It's in everyone's heart, and the gornitai have come to dispel, shed light on, expose it for what it is. That you may see. Oh, he says, how do they do that? How do they expose that, and as well minister to us about the bright prospect of prema? Premadharma, which is the sum do which they come to give. Sum do tamo nudo. Give the highest benefit and do away with the darkness. How does that happen? Jayadev asked, how does it, how do you get that high prospect? So I answered that the, he asked, what is the method? I answered that the method is Krishna Sankirtan. But it comes to us, Krishna Sankirtan, says, in two forms. These Gornatai, they bring us in touch with two types of Bhagavatas. The great book, Srimad Bhagavatam, and the person Bhagavatam, the devotee, the Bhagavata, who personifies the book. 
and under the shelter of these two we learn the, the ways to take advantage of everything that Gaur and Atinanda have come, come to give. That bright prospect that the Bhagavatam speaks of when it says, Vedyam Vastavam Atravastu Shivadam Tapatrayon Mulanam Tapatrayon Mulanam Tamonudo that uproots the miseries that pervade our material life and gives us Shivadam Sundaram auspiciousness, highest auspiciousness. Now, what is that? What is that thing? It's beyond, we've heard, it's beyond liberation, which is unthinkable for most people. They have not heard of that, although this is the, really the, Bhagavatam is the essence of all the sacred texts. Just see how it's, it's been missed, and what it says has been, Gornatai, give this Bhagavatam to the people, by these two Bhagavats, it means they bring the people in touch with the great book Bhagavatam in combination with the Bhagavata of the standard of love that Gornatinanda are about. And those kind of people show us what is in the Bhagavatam that couldn't be seen otherwise. They draw out from there this message. Bhagavatam has been around for a long time. But what is the message of that? What is the reach of Bhagavatam? This was shown by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu. And the Bhagavatas, the person Bhagavatas, who were their eternal associates and members of the glorious Guru Parampara. So we need the book Bhagavatam, but we need the person Bhagavatam as well. We really need both. You cannot understand the book without the person. So they make this kind of arrangement and give us this benediction what Mahaprabhu in other places in Chaitanya Charitamrita has been described as Panchama Purusharta, the fifth goal of life. This is a revolutionary idea. Prema Pumarto Maham, the great goal of Prem, beyond liberation, beyond Dharma, Artha, Karma, beyond Moksha, Prem. Now what is that preem of Srimad Bhagavatam that Gauranatinanda have come to give? That is the preem of Braj because here it's mentioned in this verse of Bhagavatam that he cites to help explain the measure of which to which Bhagavatam or Gauranatinanda eradicate darkness and give benediction. It said, Dharma projita kaitavotra paramo nirmat saranam satam vedyam Vastavam, Atravastu, Shivadam, Tapatrayon Mulanam, Srimad Bhagavate, Mahamunikrite, Kimba, Parayishvara, Sadyo, Hridaya, Varudhyatetra, Kitibhi, Sushu, Suvistakshanat. It said that this Bhagavatam, compiled by the great Rishi, Mahamuni Vyas, is so extraordinary that if one becomes interested in studying the Srimad Bhagavatam, under the guidance of a Bhagavat, the implication is a person Bhagavatam, then that has the power, that interest, to arrest Krishna, imprison Krishna within your heart. Now, we have things in our heart at present, as I'm describing, that are imprisoning us, oppressing us. These desires set up shop inside the heart, competing or influence over us. But the, the, the brilliant light of the appearance of Gornitinanda and their teaching 
bringing us in touch with the book Bhagavatam and the person Bhagavatam and so forth. Shed light on this this prospect and make everyone else who set up shop in the heart look undesirable in comparison. And afford us the prospect and the means by which not only will we become freed from the oppression that these desires bring upon us, things in our heart that put us, as I'm saying, in an incarcerated condition, they are oppressing us, locking us up to bondage. Not only does it take them out, but it takes the very person himself, Mr. Liberation himself, Krishna, and arrests him inside of your heart. This is a very comprehensive way of getting rid of the uh, oppression that arises from desires for dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. It imprisons the, the, the source of freedom and liberation within the heart of the devotee. So this message of Gaurantana, this is, means Shuddha Bhakti. They've come to give Shuddha Bhakti. Practically speaking, the second verse of Bhagavatam explains what is uh, Shuddha Bhakti. As Rupa Goswami has explained, Anyabilashita Shunyam Gyan Karmadi Anabritam. This Gyan Karmadi Anabritam. Anyabilashitam. This is Kaitava Dharma. Marmartha Kama Moksha Vansha. Desire for any of these things. What Bhagavatam speaks about is nothing to do with that, those desires. Everything to do with the highest prospect of the Jiva. The capacity to imprison Krishna in one's heart. So this subject of Bhagavatam is very extraordinary. And this is what Gauratananda have come to give. Sometimes we say that Bhagavatam is the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He would listen to Bhagavatam every morning. And in Nityalila also he's listening every morning. After taking bath in the Ganges, coming, offering the, the boga cooked by Vishnu Priyadevi and Sachimata to the household deity, then he sits and hears from Bhagavatam, from Gadadhar Pandit. He is Krishna, Gaur, and Gadadhar is Radha. Mahaprabhu hears Radha speak the Bhagavatam. What kind of class is that? And you think it will be boring to be there <laughs> and listen to Gadadhar Pandit's Bhagavatam class. <laughs> no, not like that. It will be very interesting, captivating. Sometimes, as I say, we call Bhagavatam the heart of Krishna, but uh, what is the, what is the heart of, or the heart of, yeah, the heart of Krishna, heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what is the heart of Krishna, that is Radha, so sometimes it's also called Radha Bhagavatam. See how, what Gornatai do, by bringing us in touch with the person Bhagavatam, along with the book Bhagavatam. Radharani's name is not even mentioned in the Bhagavatam. But these types of Bhagavatas that they bring us in touch with, they're reading her name everywhere in Sumat Bhagavatam. Sometimes to the point that they call, why not Radha Bhagavatam? It's Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad means, she means Radha. It's the Bhagavata. That's also God. The life of Krishna. What is the life of Krishna? This Shakti brings Krishna to life. Radha brings Krishna to life. This is the idea. 
You can imagine them. This is a very confidential subject matter. Many, many people are worshipping Krishna for different reasons and different ways and so forth and and so on. But this kind of information that the Bhagavatas and our Guru Parampara are giving is such that Krishna is embarrassed to hear us speaking about that. He came to the world to taste the love of Radha, appearing as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This he came to do, that's a fact. But really it is his devotees who are then speaking about that and extending what he pursued, that opportunity, to everyone else. And he sometimes wakes up to take note of, what have I done in my madness? What have I done? Things like this that are not known even in Vaikuntha are now talks at the dinner table in Helsinki. What's going on? <laughs> what will become of my secret life? The doors have been plundered in this way. So it was a great opportunity. Therefore, sometimes it's said that Kali Yuga, with all of its faults, is really uh, quite auspicious. Kalir sabhajayantiyar jaguna gyas arabhagina yatra sankirtanenaiva sarvasartavilabhyate Because in Kali Yuga, by this namsankirtan that Gornitai have given as the principal method, that Namsan Kirtan, informed by the Bhagwat book, as explained by the person Bhagwat. Nastaprayeshu Abhadreshu Nityam Bhagwata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttama Slogir Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtiki. Hear the Bhagavatam, get the proper conceptual orientation, be fixed in Namsan Kirtan. That kind of Namsan Kirtan, that will bring Prem, Mahaprabhu said. They will open the doors to Prema. This kind of thing they've given. This is Mahaprabhu, is Krishna kind of a madness has spilled into the world again after leaving, finishing his Leela as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a kind of a confused state, seeking the mind and mood of Radha, chanting, singing, dancing, falling on the ground, getting up, falling again. I mean, Krishna spoke the whole Bhagavad Gita. Uh, he had some sobriety, had his wits at that time. Coming as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he's kind of lost his wit. He didn't write anything. Eight verses only. This is his Acharya Leela, we say. The Leela in which he comes to act as an Acharya, as a guru and teach. But he, he, he practically couldn't write anything. Only eight verses, as Prabhupada said. The primary function of the Acharya is to make a literary contribution. The charges are defined, really, by their literary contribution. Mahaprabhu's literary contribution is next to nothing, in one sense. But then again, those poems, those eight verses, have, <laughs> he says a lot there. So much in his Shikshastaka. But practically, it, is, um, it requires some commentary, some explanation. Even in madness, he's saying those things. He's transforming as he writes each poem each verse. So it's his devotees, then, who are really distributing this. Yes, he empowered Rupa and Sanatana. He instructed them in some things. That's true. He had some moments of sobriety there in Prayag and in Banaras, Dasashvameda Ghat, where he instructed Rupa and Sanatana. And from there, then, they've 
written about all these things, but largely this distribution of what a goer and Nityananda are about, they are goers in ecstasy and madness and Nityananda Prabhu is trying to keep him, help him keep his balance practically and pointing to him, to everybody, look here, see this, pay attention here. But their devotees in disciplic succession, they are showing what this Bhagavat is about. They are showing what is the heart of, the very heart of Krishna. The kind of news, as I said, it is not even, it's not, I'm telling you, it's a fact. We laugh and it's cute but charming, but it's not known in Vaikuntha. Now that's an extraordinary place, Vaikuntha. In most people's minds, that's as high as it goes, but no, there's something something beyond that. The Param Vaikuntha, the Supreme Vaikuntha, the secret Svetadweep, the secret island of Krishna. He's like a playboy who has his own island in the ocean. And news about it has come to the mainland. And people are coming in boats, planes, and swimming by the millions to get there. First it's a little alarming, but then he understands. Oh, the nature of the place is all accommodating. Let them come. So by, uh, the doors have been opened to this realm. Let them come then. Mahaprabhu opening his arms. Nidinalapabhu opening his arms, uh, offering this. So this, this opportunity should be taken advantage of. Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami in this way really begins the Chaitanya Charitamrita offering obeisances to his deities and telling us that the book is about the Shuddha Bhakti, pure devotion of the Bhagavat standard and of the Bhagavat standard as revealed by the Bhagavatas in the Gaudiya Vaishnav Guru Parampara. The measure of love of Krishna that is, um, uh, that if, as I say, if we, were to, if we were to know about it, speak about it in public, it will embarrass him. And our task, of course, is to do that, speak about that. If you speak loud enough and long enough, then Krishna will want to silence you. You've said enough. Stop it. You're embarrassing me. Then he'll put his hand on your mouth and take you back to Godhead. So we should try to preoccupy ourselves in, in, in some way. This is very consuming, this Sankirtan, as envisioned by the great Bhagavata, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Guru Maharaj, Bhakti Vedanta Sami, Prabhupada, and so forth. Great capacity to uh, consume our minds. It's a great task, just like you, one of the first questions you asked was people ask us how to explain this in five minutes, so you really have to use, absorb your mind. What do you believe in? Can you tell me in five minutes or less? So you really have to use your mind to do that. How am I going to explain this to them so that they will understand? It has great power to consume you, and that's the whole idea of yoga, isn't it? That the mind will become arrested. So when you attempt to explain this high thing, yes, it's, it's difficult, it's very esoteric, very extraordinary. But you make some, some effort, and the reward will be great. Your understanding of it yourself will, will grow, and your realization and your power to explain it to others along with that. So in this way... We discussed a little bit the first verse, well, second verse, the first verse that we are discussing here. Any question? Yes. I'm I'm wondering, is Krishna Lila is eternal and continuous, right? Yeah. How do we see the Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? Is that going on, continues, and mm-hmm. in what form? Mm-hmm. 
The Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is eternal, and but it's the Namadweep Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, when he took sannyas and came to preach and distribute the Yuga Dharma and so forth, this is called like um, an occasional Leela, a rare occasion at that, but Krishna has Leelas that are occasional also, like killing the demons. Those are occasional Leelas of Krishna. In his Nitya Leela, in his eternal Leela, in the, in the unmanifest, unmanifest Leela, then there's no really much demon killing to be done. There's no demons there. There may be some semblance of that and whatnot, but those are occasional Leelas. So the Sannyas Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is also like killing demons in one sense. And it's about preaching and cleansing the heart and, and so forth. It does turn inward at a certain point in Puri. But this is an occasional Leela. And the Nitya Leela is in Namadweep, where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is like the friend of all the devotees. They are all doing Sankirtan daily. And Mahaprabhu wakes in the morning at about 3.30, 3.36, something like that, in the morning. And uh, lying in his bed in, in the house of, with Vishnu Priya, he has his own room. She has her own room. He's lying in the bed, and he's awake, but not getting out of bed, just like you do in the morning. You wake up, and your mind thinks about so many things, and and so forth. And he is thinking about Ankimudi Sadjopuri Bhosharati Shesha Radha Krishna. Rahulila Smani Rasha Veshe, we sing in the morning. He's absorbed in thinking about the, the morning Lila of Radha and Krishna and how the day is coming and Krishna has to be separated from Radha. Radha has to be separated from Krishna. And so he's thinking, how the sun is darkness. It's backwards. This is Bhagavad Gita. Yanisha Savabhutanam Tasyam Jagatasamyami. The rishi thinks that the, uh, what is night for the rishi, for the sage, is daytime for ordinary people. What is daytime for the ordinary people is like night for the for the sage, darkness for the sage. So for the gopis, daytime is like the darkest night because Radha and Krishna will be separated. So Mahaprabhu is feeling the pain of Radha's separation from Krishna, following in his meditative state that morning early morning leela birds are calling wake up wake up you've got to get home before everyone gets up and finds out that you're out here brinda Devi is involved orchestrating and so forth uh, making arrangements and off they go parting from the forests into the pasture lands in separate directions sneaking into the back into their homes through the window and so forth Mahabharata was thinking about all these things and reluctant to get out of bed. But Nityananda Prabhu comes, just like Balaram comes every morning in Krishna Lila. And Krishna blows the flute. What does Balaram blow? He has a buffalo horn. So he blows his buffalo horn. Wake up, Subal, Madhumangala, the devotees. If they haven't slept over at Krishna's place, they're there first thing in the morning. <coughs> Uta Krishna, get up Krishna, get up Krishna. Then a hundred million zillion cowherd boys assemble in the courtyard of Nanda Maharaj, rumbling and 
and calling. A few very intimate associates will go up and wake him about six in the morning. So Nityananda Prabhu comes with uh, other devotees and they wake up Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then they take him to with him to, with him to the Ganges, and he takes his bath and and so forth. Meanwhile, in Krishna Leela, Radharani is taking her bath. Her Manjara is abating. Her Krishna is taking his bath. Meal is being prepared. Meal is being prepared by Sachimata and Vishnu Priya Devi for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And as I said earlier, he comes back from the Ganges, then makes the offering, sits. And here's Srimad Bhagavatam. And then, after the discussion of Bhagavatam, Nijagrihegan, Sahaja Bhojan, Kotuka, Shayana Shesha Kotuka, with a very jolly way, just like Krishna and all his cowards sit around the table with Nanda Maharaj. Radharani is cooked. Although she lives at a distance, her cooking is special. And she was given a benediction that whatever she would cook would be just like nectar. So although she ostensibly appears to be married to someone else, Nishoda being the Rani, the queen of the king of Braja, Nanda Maharaj, she insists that Radharani come and cook for her son. And so an arrangement is made every morning. And she's quite sure that because he eats the cooking of Radharani, therefore he has the power to defeat the demons that the cowherds are always talking about him. That gives him strength. That is, the, that will protect him. So all the cowards are sitting around the table and and uh, having a, f- a festival. Bhakti Vinod Thakur has sung about that. What does he say? Bhajabhakata vatsala Sri Gaurahari Sri Gaurahari Sohi Gostabihari And then he describes so many types of preparations. And a big feast. Huge feast. And they're quite boisterous and from there they'll get energy to go out all day long and herd the cows in the forest and, and so Mahabrabhu takes his breakfast he takes a little nap then as Krishna does short nap and then out Krishna goes cow herding and Mahabrabhu goes on Sankirtan he goes to the house of Shuklambar and other devotees and then as they go they're performing Sankirtan on the Ganga Delta and they see cows coming some cowherd man is taking the cows across the river, and then Mahavu goes to the cowherd Leela of Krishna. While he's performing Sankirtan, he's transported in meditation to Krishna Leela, where Krishna is bargaining with his mother, let me go, I've got to go. And she's trying to hold him back in every way, and but not to, in a way, try not to embarrass him, nonetheless, in the front of his friends, but out of uh, the protective uh, sentiment of it's predominant in Vatsalya Rasa. She's expressing this. Finally, anyway, he's released and goes into the forest. Mahaprabhu does Sankirtan. In the midst of his Sankirtan, then he goes into the, along the banks of the Ganges and finds a private place to settle for some time with his associates, said to be covered by thorns that keep ordinary people away. And they come to some of the Mahaprabhu bathing in the Ganges. And this corresponds with Krishna's Leela at Radhakund. And so Krishna leaves in the midst of cow herding. Some lunch is sent and some manjaris come. 
bringing some news, some message, uh, some of Krishna's intimate friends, assisting him. He, he, he makes an announcement, I've got to go. Madhu Mangal has, wants me to meet with a famous astrologer and it would be appropriate if all a million of us go at the same time. So I'm going to go with just a few and I'll be back shortly. You stay with Balaram and take care of the cows. So greater balance of the cowards, they stay with Balaram and the cows. And if you go with Krishna to Radhakun and their rendezvous, Krishna rendezvous with Radha there. So this is the midday Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They're bathing in Radhakund, Shamkund, and, uh, and Mahaprabhu is bathing in the Ganges with his associates. And then the afternoon Leela, so nice. Mahaprabhu returns, bathed and dressed, with Nityananda Prabhu into the village, to the town, really, and performs Sankirtan in every house. Apparanakale, Priyaganamili, Bhuvana Mohanavesha. And Krishna is decorated, uh, redressed again at that time. Looks so beautiful and charming. Coming home with his cows, he calls them all by chanting on a mala made of jewels calls all the different groups of cows and they all come running and assemble and then kicking up the dust it's going up into the sky and falling down on him and beautifying him that much more and, and Mahaprabhu was coming then now across the Ganges and there's so many cows in front of him swimming across comes through the house of Mother Sachi and there again he participates in the Seva Puja of the deity taking some prasadam Deva Bandhanadi, he shows us how to worship the deity, he does the worship. Krishna comes home, Mother Yasoda is holding a light up to him. The sun has gone down to see if he's okay, noticing some marks here and there, and thinking, oh, those coward boys, there's going to be rough on my, my son. This is like Arctic, holding the light. Meanwhile, Mahaprabhu then, he goes out after dinner, for nightlife, to the house of Srivas Thakur, and all the devotees assemble there for kirtan. There's Artik to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He shows many wonderful things to the devotees at that time. And then the final stage of the daily lila, he stays up all night doing sankirtan into the wee hours. And Krishna, of course, up into the wee hours as well singing and chanting with the gopis in Rasalila. So Mahaprabhu's Lila parallels that. And this goes on every day. This is a, a day in the life of Gaur Krishna. And so the devotees will accompany him. And then as he, and he enters into Krishna Lila and comes back. And So like I say, it's like a life of a sadhaka, but in perfection. And there the devotees attach themselves to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu like... They're like servant friends, something like that. And all their, their gurus are there, their ashrams are there. Everyone's living in the ashram. Nice. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Big ashram. No management problems or personality problems. Just like it's supposed to be, you hear. So we try to perfect ourselves such that we can enter into that ashram. That's the idea. So this is a, a sampling of the day, like I say, a day in the life of Gaur Krishna. We sing about it every day. You might want to be familiar with the translation of those songs.
can be useful. So that is, as I say, a little different from the Puri Leela, where Mahaprabhu was particularly reaching out as a sannyasi and showing us, the, he's showing us the way to enter into there, to participate in the Kirtan of Srivastakva's house, because he wouldn't let just anybody in. He only let certain intimate associates in there. So to enter in requires some qualification. He's kind enough to come out and show us how to get into that kirtan. What else? Any other question? Yes. So does everyone have like a role in both uh, Lord Chaitanya's Lila, Nita Lila, and in Krishna's Nita Lila? Yeah, for the most part. But the role in Gaurila will be the same for everybody. It'll be like a young Brahmin boy assisting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. We should think like that a little bit also. When we come to Arati, different times of the day, the songs correspond with the Leela, for the most part. The Arati is like the meeting place. We all have our different services and whatnot. And then we come and meet and have... Uh, that's where the pastimes of the deities expand from. So we come and gather there, sing a song appropriate to the time, offer worship. Now Gurudev allows us to do some personal service to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at the Yoga Pit. And then we come away with an impression from that and carry on throughout the day and come back and eat. And This is the idea. So it's uh, like, a, like I say, like a dasya bhakti, like a servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But it's imbued with some intimacy also. And it's, a, it's an extraordinary kind of dasya bhakti because it begets a relationship with Krishna in Braj, whereas ordinary Dasya Bhakti to Narayan won't do that. Well, you can think, yes, we are members of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's and Kirtan party. He's showing us he's ex- the most extraordinary devotee, and he seems to be almost like Krishna himself. Sometimes he shows us that he's Krishna, sometimes he's, he acts just like, like a devotee. We're th- there is what we're doing. It'll become clear in time as a darkness in the heart is dispelled. Does that help? So two bodies. It gets complicated, doesn't it? <laughs> one for Krishna Lila and one for Gaur Lila. That's why, for example, we preserve the body of the Acharya we think has representation in Gaur Lila. Like the Goswamis, Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, they had they were appearing in Sadakadehas, but in the Prakat Lila, the body's aged and so forth. But in the Gaur Lila, they're there, they look the same, but they're always young. That's why they are so important to us, the six Goswamis. There are other devotees that were more intimate in one sense with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They didn't have the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they didn't live with him in Puri, they didn't live with him in Navadvip. They weren't with him when he went to Vrindavan. Rupa Goswami met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu once at Prayag, once in Puri, once in, in Bengal. But uh, he gave his wealth to them to distribute to us. They're showing us the way of sadhana. Their example is there. We think that they're more important in that sense because they're reaching out to us. Through them, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu reaches out to us in Guru Parampara. Further, 
And so they're there eternally in Gorlita. Six Goswamis, they look the same, but they're, they're young. Like young Brahman Kishore. What else? Yes. Bhagavad Gita gives like four reasons why people come to Krishna, right? Mm, yeah. And it seems like those four reasons correspond with the Purushartas. Mm-hmm. So how is it possible that the Kaitava, like the cheating, gives bhakti? People come to bhakti that. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the verse? It says, Arto jignasu artarti jnani cha bharatarshava. So, people in in knowledge, people with spiritual interest, curiosity, people who desire wealth, people who desire freedom from distress, if they approach me for these things, then they will get them and more. They will come to bhakti. He says four types of pious people. So pious people may have the tendency to approach God for their necessities. Other people may have the same necessities, but they don't have knowledge or spiritual interest, but they have the necessity to be free from anxiety, distress, and want of wealth, and so forth. But they don't have the tendency to approach Krishna. So he's really saying there that the tendency in them to approach Krishna, to approach me, he says, for their needs, this is conducive. And ultimately, they get bhakti. So it's not that by pursuing those things in of themselves that they get bhakti, but because they approach Krishna for those things. And he's talking about the, there are impious people also that want wealth, and impious people that want to be free from distress. And he's talking about pious people, sukriti, sukritarto. He talked about miscreants, people who don't approach him. And then he talked about four kinds of pious people that do. And so that they, they they're approaching Krishna, but they have their approach is is dominated by their condition. So we see that devotees sometimes come, and the dominant motivation for their coming is they want to be free from distress. They have so much negative impetus; their life is so stressful or distress distressful that they they want to come and get relief. Then there are others that want to improve their material situation, like those rickshaw guys might, you know, take Prabhupada up on it and join. <laughs> there are a lot of people like that in India. They join the ashram, the Western ashram, to improve their material situation. And then there are spiritually interested people and people in knowledge. So depending upon which of these motivations is dominant within us, that will also have some bearing on what our capacity to render devotional service is. The verse of Bhagavatam that we cited, Dharma Projita Kaitavotra Paramonian Matsanam Satam. It says that, that the, the desire to hear the Bhagavatam has extraordinary power in it, uh, power to capture Krishna and so forth. But Jiva Goswami has commented on this that it acts like this on those who come out of knowledge or maybe out of spiritual interest. Knowledge means like a realized person, but who doesn't have bhakti. And spiritual interest means, well, who has spiritual interest. These are higher reasons. So one who comes from that background will excel, just like you're reading Jaiva Dharma. I don't know how far you got, but 
there's two principal characters that come in later in the book, Brajanath and Vijay Kumar. Have you met them yet? No. No. Anyway, they, they come. And they, you see, they, they hear about bhakti and they very quickly take to it. But they are both examples of who came out of spiritual interest and higher reasons. Those who come out of, to get free from distress or wealth, then they will, their progress will likely be, be slower. But it's not that, like, they were pursuing artha, economic benefit, and they got bhakti. Hmm. No. They pursued Krishna. That's smart. Bhagavatam says, Akamo sarbhakamo va mokshakamo dharadi tivrena bhakti yogina yajeta purusham param. Whether you have no desires or you desire everything or you desire liberation, approach Krishna. That's the best thing to do. Somehow or other, if you come to approach him, then the result will be good. And certainly you get what you need. He tends to give, but not in a way that will get in the way of your bhakti. Does that help? Yeah. What else? Okay. So, here's some prasad for everybody. Shri Chitana Charitamrita ki jai. Gauri Vaishnava Guru Paramparaki jai. Gauri Bhakta Vrindaki jai. Gauri Pramandi. Gauri Pramandi.